So, Merry Christmas, almost. Blessed Advent. It's fun to be with you this morning, to watch the Lord bring our community together and to mobilize the army. We've been talking about that quite a bit, that here at Our Lords, we're not aspiring to be an audience, but an army, Gideon's army, in fact. And groups help facilitate that. So let me uh, see from some of you who have a group idea that's forming inside of you. Let me just see. We've got probably eight or nine that we've seen so far. And let me see again. We've got someone over here. All right. Great uh, opportunity for you to start a group, use your gifts. And for those of you that are new, maybe you're visiting, our groups range from empowerment groups where we look at the gifts of the Holy Spirit. We have Bible study groups. We have marriage groups. We have fixer-upper groups. There is a wide variety of opportunities for you to get involved, to form new friendships, to connect with Jesus, to serve. So you'll be hearing more about that. We're going to launch them in February. I want to give a little bit of thanks to our preaching team, Esther, Brad, and Mike. And I want to say a little something here. We've heard Esther, Brad, and Mike teach leading up to today, and I am grateful that we're in a church where we have several people that can teach and preach. Amen? And I want you to hear a little bit of my heart behind that. In every area of the church, we want leadership. We want strong, gifted leaders in the right place. But here at Our Lord's in the coming days, we are not going to establish the church around one particular person. That is not sustainable. So I want you to hear from me. I do the majority of the teaching and the preaching, but it's in my heart to raise up other preachers and teachers. One main reason is for our kids' sake, so that this church in the coming years and the coming decades, our kids can watch and see that is how team is done. If you build a church around one person and their skill set or their gifts, and that person for one reason or another maybe gets old and they're gone, it's a challenge. So here at Our Lords, we are growing in this, and we're going to learn more in the coming days, the coming years, how to have a true team ministry. Amen? So I appreciate our preaching and teaching team and the opportunity we give each other really direct feedback, which is something that we've established here, a culture of support and affirmation, but also giving each other constructive feedback. This Tuesday, I'll meet with Mike. And Mike will give me constructive feedback. <laughs> and it gets easier and easier, I'm here to tell you, because I know that we love and support each other. So today, we are looking at a revelation of love. So if you want to look in your Bibles at 1 John 3, it's near the end of the New Testament there, right before the book of Revelation. We'll be looking at just a few verses in 1 John 3. And we're going to look at Advent as a stunning revelation of love. As much as anything, Christmas, the Nativity, the birth of the Lord Jesus is a mind-blowing revelation of the love of God for us. Before we read this, um, my family's been in kind of a peculiar place in recent months, we've been watching a lot of World War II movies. 
And Mia has been obsessed with this. And so we've been watching some pretty heavy movies. And as I was preparing this, this week, I kept thinking of some of the scenes that I had watched in these films. And I kept picturing uh, these trains that were going, cattle trains to various death camps. And I was imagining what it would be like if on one of these trains, a young lady, the door opened and someone yanked her off of that death camp train bound to Krakow or one of the other death camps. What would it be like if someone pulled her off of that train? where she was going to a camp to be worked to the bone and starved and eventually gassed to death. What would it be like for that young lady to be pulled off of a train, taken aside into a secret place, and to be told that she would have citizenship in the United States, that she could go to New York and that a passport was handed to her and her pockets were stuffed with $100,000 cash in envelopes. What would it be like for that young lady? My friends, Advent is like this. Apart from Christ, you and I are on a cattle train to a death camp. Did you know that? Ponder that for a moment. You and I are hellbound. A life of destruction, God has intervened in the person of Jesus and yanked us off of the death train. And he has stuffed our pockets with cash and spiritual riches and a new passport and a new family that would meet us that we can be brought into. Advent is a time to celebrate what God has done. God has intervened in the person of Jesus and rescued us. So with that in mind, let's look at 1 John 3, the rescue plan, the revelation of the Father's love for us. 1 John 3, I'm going to read verses 1 through 4, verse 8, 16, and then 23 and 24. See what love the Father has given us, that we should be called children of God, and that is what we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know Him. Beloved, we are God's children now. What we will be has not yet been revealed. What we do know is this. When he is revealed, we will be like him. For we will see him as he is. And all who have this hope in him purify themselves just as he is pure. Everyone who commits sin is guilty of lawlessness. Sin is lawlessness. You know that he was revealed to take away sins, and in him there is no sin. At verse 8, everyone who commits sin is a child of the devil, for the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The Son of God was revealed for this purpose, to destroy the works of the devil. Verse 16, we know love by this, that he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for one another verses 23 and 24, and this is his commandment, that we should believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another just as he has commanded us. All who obey his commandments abide in him, and he abides in them. And by this, we know that he abides in us by the spirit 
he has given us. This passage says many, many things about Advent, but I just want to point out three facets of the appearing of Jesus. Three facets that really show us the mind-blowing love of God in this passage. And the first is found in verses one through three. Look at it. It is the love of the Father. The first verb there is see. And the word means contemplate, ponder, look at, consider, reflect on. The Apostle John is telling us to reflect on the love of the Father. And we know in Scripture, Paul talks about the eyes of the heart in Ephesians 1.18. Your heart has eyes. And so the Apostle John here is calling for the eyes of your heart to contemplate, to look upon the love of God the Father that's demonstrated in the person of Jesus. I just want to say up front here, some of us had fathers that weren't so good. Maybe some of them abandoned you. They were mean. They were angry. They took out their wrath on you. And so a passage like this, my friends, can heal us as we see and contemplate the love of the Father for you, for me. The love of the Father is like a waterfall. And a passage like this invites us to get under the waterfall. The heart of the Father. I love you. I'm pleased with you. I'm not disappointed. I forgive. This revelation pours out of the pages of Scripture. And so each day we're invited to get under the waterfall. Take a passage like this and say, Father, I want to see, I want to experience, I want to know in the core of my heart that you actually like me. The love of the Father, this is what we're celebrating at Advent. The Father loves us with unmerited, unearned love, but the Father likes us too. And as we sit under the waterfall, the revelation of the Father, it washes the stuff away that's been there. It cleanses us. It purifies us. He goes on to say in these other verses here, there's a new status. There's benefits that come to us. There's responsibilities. What does he say here? The Apostle John says that we are called children of God. We're God's kids. If you give your life to Jesus, if you surrender yourself to him, if you join the family of God, you're baptized, you are a new creation. You're in the family of God. And it comes with incredible benefits. Look at this. Verses 2 and 3 talks about the benefits that are present and the benefits that are future. We're actually given the opportunity to, in prayer, engage with God, to open the Scriptures, to engage with Him and have Him transform us into His image now. 2 Corinthians 3 talks about this. Paul says that through the Spirit, we get to ponder and meditate on the glory of God in the face of Jesus, and we're renewed day by day now. But then John says that's only the beginning. There's a future benefit. One day we'll be like him. Little aside here, we become what we contemplate. 
What are you contemplating right now? What are you pondering? What are you putting before the eyes of your heart? John says, don't sell yourself short. Ponder the love of God in Christ Jesus, especially at Advent, his first appearing. Ponder that. The Father loves you. The Father loves you. Christ has given himself for you. So we've got the love of the Father comes with responsibilities too, doesn't it? We'll see later on in the passage that you receive the love of God and then in turn you share it with other people. You can't stop yourself. I hear stories all through the week of people in this church who are doing just that. The Father loves me and this is so good that I've got to go out and share it with other people. We've got people from this church going into the prisons to share the love of the Father because they can't contain themselves. We've got people at the supermarket who are sharing the love of God, who are going while shopping and saying, Lord, who is it that you want me to share the love of God with? So we are doing this, and we're going to see more of it. Our intercessors this morning were praying. It was like they were reading my notes. I'm not sure how that works, but Connie came in and said, this is what the, intercessor, the intercessors were saying. And I was like, how did you guys get a hold of my notes? One thing they were sensing, that I was too, is that there's an invitation this morning for all of us, but some, some people specifically. It's time for you to come to the Father. It's the Father calling you home. Jesus talked about the prodigal who was away and had gone to live with pigs. And the father called the prodigal back. And as he saw the prodigal coming back, his response was shouting, was celebrating, was grabbing hold of that prodigal son and kissing him and throwing a party for him. And I have a feeling that there are some prodigals with us today. Maybe you come to church periodically. Maybe you happen to be here today. And I just want to say the Father welcomes you home. He invites you home. He loves you. If that's you, at the end of the service, you can come up and we'll have a prayer team that you can talk with. You can talk with me. I'll be standing up here. I just sense that the Lord is bringing some, some folks home who've been away. A second thing that this passage here shows us is the victory of the son in verses five and eight. As I was looking at this, I said, this does not sound like anything I've really heard at Advent, that Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil. How's that for an Advent passage? We usually hear about the baby Jesus, he's born, some of the readings that we did this morning, but my friends, the Lord Jesus came. The word took on flesh to destroy the works of the devil. He was revealed. That is good news, isn't it? He was revealed, the text says. The word is related to Advent. Advent happened. Christ was revealed at verse 5 to take away sins and to destroy the works of Satan. This word here, destroy, 
there's a word picture, and it's like untying knots. There's a rich word picture here. When Christ comes, he comes to undo the dragnet that Satan tries to throw over your life. Christ came to undo that, to untangle you, to cut you free, and to let you go. Christ came to destroy the works of Satan, to undo the knots for the traps that he's laid for you. Oftentimes, we think in terms of Christ destroying the works of the devil in terms of the cross, which is true, isn't it? We've been looking in 1 Corinthians that the message, the gospel of Christ crucified is the essence of who we are as kingdom people. But this passage is shining a light in a different area. Do you see it? The incarnation itself is the victory. I don't know why we oftentimes, we just go straight to the cross, the crucifixion and resurrection, and don't mishear me. That is amazing. But the victory was initiated with the incarnation. Do you hear me? The word becomes flesh, and it's game over for the kingdom of darkness. The word becomes flesh, and his whole life means salvation for us. One commentator says that when Christ becomes flesh, he is the embodiment of the impossible. The early church fathers say that Christ assumed flesh in order to save it. So God's rescue plan begins at the incarnation. You can also see it in his ministry. His entire ministry is a salvation plan. In Acts 10.38, it says this. You can write it down and look at it later, but Acts 10.38 says that God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, and he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. Christ was anointed. The Word became flesh, his incarnation, his ministry, and of course, his death and resurrection means salvation and it means the breaking of the power of the enemy. 1 John 4.10 goes on to say that God loves us so much that he sends his son to be an atoning sacrifice for our sins. So his incarnation, his ministry, his death, his resurrection is the father saying, I love sinful people. I rescue sinful people. I will take you from the kingdom of darkness and place you in the kingdom of light. That is what Advent is all about. The word picture here, the atoning sacrifice, says many things, but there was a ritual ancient Israelites used to celebrate. In Leviticus 16, it records it's the day of atonement, and the priest would take a sacrificial animal and lay hands on the sacrificial animal in front of the people and pray and symbolically attribute the sin of the people into that animal. And then the animal would run off and run into the wilderness carrying symbolically the sins. And that is what the Apostle Paul is, the image that he's bringing to mind here. 
Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He has taken on our sin. And it's now, as far as the east is from the west, removed from us. That is good news. That is the gospel according to Advent. This is why we're here, friends. This is what fuels us and empowers us. A third revelation of the Father's love is found in verse 24 here. Verses 23 and 24. It's the gift of the Holy Spirit. I sure wish we could have Brad's new guitar wired up. Wouldn't that be nice? We could worship. We'll have some time to do that in just a moment. I want us to look at this one last thing here. Verses 23 and 24. The gift of the Holy Spirit. It was 1976. I remember the best gift I ever received as a kid. It was an evil can evil BMX bike. Anybody else get one of those? I wish I would have kept it because it's worth about a grand now on eBay. I did. I looked it up over the last week and $1,000 for that bike. I remember waking up, coming in. I saw that baby, white frame, red and blue stars and stripes, big white banana seat. Ah, it was awesome. It's the best gift I ever got. And I did stupid stuff on it. Got me around my neighborhood, jumped things that I shouldn't be jumping, peeled out, skidded in people's driveways. It was the best. It was a great gift. It's the best gift. But in comparison to the gift that the Apostle John is talking about here, even my 1976 Evil Knievel bike does not hold anything to the gift of the Holy Spirit that the Father freely gives us, freely gives Let's read 23 and 24 again, and we'll just see exactly what this means, and we'll end with this. And this is his commandment, that we should believe in the name of his Son, Jesus Christ, and love one another, just as he has commanded us. All who obey his commandments abide in him, and he abides in them. Catch this. And by this we know that he abides in us. How? by the spirit that he has given us. So the very presence of God in us is given to us freely by a loving Father through the Lord Jesus, the word become flesh. And now we have the power to do all that the book tells us to do. These two verses right here are letting us know that the spirit abides in us and assures us of the Father's love, and then empowers us to do these things. This is good news. You can't believe without the Spirit. It's the Spirit who gives you the power and the strength to, to believe in Jesus, to give yourself to Him. It's the Spirit who empowers us to love one another. It's the Spirit who empowers us to do all that the Father has commanded us. John's going to go on to say he's so fired up about this. He says in 1 John 4, the next chapter, greater is he who is in us than he who is in the world. So the Apostle John is making it abundantly clear 
Advent, the coming of Jesus, is a demonstration of the love of the Father. The Father loves you. He's crazy about you. He sent his Son. He saves us. He rescues us. And then he gives us the Spirit forever. This is Advent, my friends. This is worth celebrating, singing, dancing, sitting in silence, all the various expressions of worship. Lord, we, we love you. We thank you for what your word is showing us this morning. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit about who you are, what you've done for us. And Father, we quiet ourselves before you. We receive your love, the waterfall of your love, even now. I just want to give an opportunity. You can keep your eyes closed, but I do. I sense that there are a few folks here that could relate to what I said earlier. You've been away from the Father, and he's calling you home right now. He's calling you to himself. So if that's you, I want you to just wave at me. Everybody else got their eyes closed, but if that's you, why don't you wave to me? All right. See you there. Anybody else? Father, I thank you that you welcome all of us. We want to respond in worship. Father, we are filled with gratitude and worship for who you are and what you've done for us. We've got a little time here for...